2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is uh, going to be um, another second testimony, the second testimony of uh, Archbishop of Ulpania, Apostolic Nuncio, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. This one is from September 29th, 2018. Secure, secure, QE, I know what I believe. So this is uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. So uh, let's begin um, with a quick prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and the hour of our death. Amen. So let's begin. Before starting my writing, I would first of all like to give thanks and glory to God the Father for every situation and trial that he has prepared and will prepare for me during my life. As a priest and bishop of the Holy Church, spouse of Christ, I am called like every baptized person to bear witness to the truth by the gift of the Spirit who sustains me with joy on the path that I am called to travel. I intend to do so until the end of my days. Our only Lord has addressed also to me the invitation to follow me, and I tend to follow him with the help of his grace until the end of my days. As long as I have life, I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my song be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 103, verse 33 to 34. It has been a month since I offered my testimony solely for the good of the church regarding what occurred at the audience with Pope Francis on June 23rd, 2013, and regarding certain matters I was given to know in the assignments entrusted to me at the Secretariat of State and in Washington in relation to those who bear responsibility for covering up the crimes committed by the former Archbishop of that capital. He's obviously referring to Theodore McCarrick. My decision to reveal those grave facts was for me the most painful and serious decisions that I have ever made in my life. I made it after long reflection and prayer during months of profound suffering and anguish, during a, a crescendo of continual news of terrible events with thousands of innocent victims destroyed and the vocation and lives of young priests and religious disturbed. The silence of the pastors who could have provided a remedy and prevented new victims become increasingly indefensible, a devastating crime for the church, well aware of the enormous consequences that my testimony could have, because what I, what, because what I was about to reveal involved the successor of Peter himself. I nonetheless chose to speak in order to protect the church, and I declare with clear conscience before God that my testimony is true. Christ died for the church, and Peter, Severus Severum Die, is the first one called to serve the spouse of Christ. Certainly, 
some of the facts that I, I was to reveal were covered up by the pontifical secret that I had promised to observe and that I had faithfully observed from the beginning of my service to the Holy See. But the, but the purpose of, of any secret, including the pontifical secret, is to protect the church from her enemies, not to cover up and become complicit in crimes committed by some of her members. I was a witness, not by my choice of shocking facts, as the Catechism of the Catholic Church states in paragraph 24, verse 91. The seal of secrecy is not binding when very grave harm can be avoided only by divulging the truth. Only the seal of confession could have justified my silence. Neither the Pope nor any of the cardinals in Rome have denied the facts I asserted in my testimony. Quie taxiet consente surely applies to here for all. For if they deny my testimony, they have only to say so and provide documentation to support that denial. How can one avoid concluding that the, re the reason they do not provide the documentation is that they know it confirms my testimony? The center, the center of my testimony was that since at least June 23rd, 2013, the Pope knew from me how perverse and evil McCarrick was in his intentions and actions. And instead of the taking the measures that every good pastor would have taken, the Pope made McCarrick one of his principal agents in governing the church in regarding to the United States, the Curia, and even China, as we are seeing these days with great concern and anxiety for that martyr church. Now, the Pope's reply to my testimony was, I will not say a word. But then, contradicting himself, he has a compa compared his silence to that of Jesus in, Jesus in Nazareth and before Pilate and compared me to the great accuser Satan who sows scandal and division in the church, though without ever uttering my name. If he had said Vigano lied, he would have challenge my credibility while trying to affirm his own. In so doing, he would have intensified the demand of the people of God and the world for the documentation needed to determine who has told the truth. Instead, he put, a, he put in place a subtle slander against me, slander being an offense he has often compared to the gravity of murder. Indeed, he did it repeatedly in the contents of the celebration of the Most Holy Sacrament in the Eucharist, where he runs no risk of being challenged by journalists. When he did speak to journalists, he asked them to exercise their professional maturity and draw their own conclusions. But how can journalists discover and know the truth if those directly involved with a matter, re matter refuse to answer any questions or to release any documents. The Pope's unwillingness to respond to my charges and his deny, d d defiance to the appeals of the faithful for accountability are hardly consistent with his calls for transparency and bridge building. Moreover, the Pope's cover-up of McCarrick was clearly not an isolated mistake. Many more instances have recently been documented in the press showing that Pope Francis has defended homosexual clergy who committed serious sexual abuses against minors or adults. These include 
his role in the case of Father Giulio Grassi in Buenos his reinstatement of Father Mario Inzoli after Pope Benedict had removed him from ministry until he went to prison, at which point Pope Francis laicized him. And his and his halting of the investigation of sex abuse allegations against against Cardinal Cormac Murphy O'Connor. In the meantime, a delegation of the USCCB, headed by its president Cardinal Donardo, went to Rome asking for Vatican investigation to McCarrick. Cardinal Donardo and other priests should tell the Church in America and in the world. Did the Pope refuse to carry out a Vatican investigation into McCarrick's crimes and of those responsible for covering them up? The faithful deserve to know. I would like to make a special appeal to Cardinal Quilt, uh, Owilt, because at, as Nuncio, I always worked in great harmony with him, and I have always had great esteem and affection towards him. He will remember when at the end of my mission in Washington, he received me at his apartment in Rome in the evening for a long conversation. At the beginning of Pope, Pope Francis' pontificate, he had mentioned his dignity as he had shown with courage when he was Archbishop of Quebec. Later, however, when, he, when his work as prefect of the Congregation for Bishop was being undermined because because recommendations for Episcopal appointments were being passed directly to Pope Francis by two homosexual friends of his diastasis, bypassing the cardinal, he gave up his long article in uh, Lozvarto Romano when she came out in favor of the more controversial aspects of Amoris Laetitiae, represents his surrender. Your Eminence, before I left for Washington, you were the one who told me of Pope Benedict's sanctions on McCarrick. You have at your complete disposal key documents in incriminating McCarrick and many in the Curia for their cover-up. Your Eminence, I urge you to bear witness to the truth. Wow. Interesting. This... Uh this is, I think, deserves a little bit more um, detail here. I think we should read it one more time. I would like to make a special appeal to Cardinal Owelt, because as Nuncio, I always worked in great harmony with him, and I have always had great esteem and affection towards him. He will remember when at the end of my mission in Washington, he received me at his apartment in Rome in the evening for a long conversation. At the beginning of Pope Francis' pontificate, he had mentioned his dignity as he had shown with courage when he was Archbishop of Quebec. Later, however, when his work as prefect of the Congregation for Bishops was being undermined because recommendations for Episcopal appointments were being passed directly to Pope Francis by two homosexual friends of his diastasis. Bypassing the cardinal, he gave up his long article in Lesvarto Romano, in which he came out in favor of the more contrary aspects of Amoris Laetitiae, represents his surrender. Your Eminence, before I left for Washington, you were the one who told me of Pope Benedict's sanctions on McCarrick. You have at your 
complete disposal, key documents incriminating McCarrick and many in the Korea for their cover-ups. Your Eminence, I urge you to bear witness to the truth. Wow. So, obviously, this bishop caved in. He caved in to the pressure by France, the Francis camp and possibly from some American cardinals and possibly from uh, those in Canada. They just teamed up against him and he caved in. Very sad. Finally, I wish to encourage you, dear faithful, my brothers and sisters in the Christ, never be despondent. Make your own make your own the act of faith and complete confidence in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Of St. Paul in his second letter to Timothy, Secuo Cui Credete, which I chose as my Episcopal motto, this is a time of repentance, of conversion, of prayer, of grace, to prepare the church, the bride of the Lamb, ready to fight and win with Mary, the battle against the old dragon. Secui Cui Credete, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. In you, Jesus, my Lord, I place my trust. Okay, and then he quotes here um, Romans chapter 8, 28. My Latin is not good, so I'm going to look it up. All right, Romans chapter 8, 28. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So, um, he's he's... He definitely is revealing a lot of corruption. To commemorate my Episcopal ordination on April 26, 1992, I conferred on me, uh, conferred on me by St. John Paul II, I chose this image taken from a mosaic of the Basilica of St. Mark in Venice. It represents the miracle of the calming of the storm. I was struck by the fact that in the boat, of Peter tossed by the by by the water the figure of Jesus is portrayed twice Jesus is sound asleep in the bow while Peter tries to wake him up master do you not care that we are about to die meanwhile the apostles terrified look each other each in different directions and do not realize that Jesus is standing behind them blessing them and assuredly in command of the boat he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Mark chapter 4, verse 38, verse 40. I'm looking at it. Uh, I have it on my tablet here. In the front, you see, you see our Lord asleep. You know, it's got the halo with the cross on it. And you see his right arm sort of hanging over the side of the boat and you see the waves um, designed, you see curbs and you see it as sort of like, you know, moving in like troubled waters. And you see Peter with his halo, like sort of with his right arm, trying to nudge our Lord to wake up. And in the center, you see the apostles looking at each other, sort of frightened, uh, each one looking in different direction, like he said. And then behind them, you see our Lord standing there, uh, blessing them, holding his, his, his hand out and blessing. And you see the symbols uh, of his initials, the first one, I-C-X-C, which is the Greek for Jesus Christ. You know, it's very beautiful. 
It is. Uh, I can see why he picked it because he calms the sea, the troubled waters. The boat is the symbol of the church and the sea is the world, the wild world, the world that is against the gospel. And um, that's, you know, it's a good, I'm glad he picked that. It's very beautiful. So, all right, let's continue. The scene is very timely in portraying the tremendous storm the church is passing through in this moment. But with a substantial difference, the successor of Peter not only fails to see the Lord in full control of the boat, it seems he does not even intend to waken Jesus asleep in the, in the boat. Has Christ perhaps become invisible to this vicar? Perhaps is he being tempted to try to act as a substitute for our only master and Lord? The Lord is in full control of the boat. May Christ the truth always be the light on our way. Carlo Maria Vigano, Totelier Archbishop of Openia, Apostolic Nuncio, September 29th, 2018, Feast of St. Michael the Archangel. Wow. So let's stop over here. All right. So now we're going to go to another short testimony, his letter here. Um, I'm going to read it. So, dear brothers, bishops in the U.S., I'm writing to remind you of the sacred mandate you were given on the day of your Episcopal ordination to lead the flock to Christ. Meditate on the proverb, uh, Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do not behave like frightened sheep, but as, as courageous shepherds. Do not be afraid of standing up and doing the right thing for the victims of the faithful and for your own salvation. The Lord will render to every one of us according to our actions and omissions. I am fasting and praying for you. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, your former Apostolic Nuncio, November 13th, 2018, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. So he really, um, <laughs> he really gives it to them. I mean, you know, he, in, in, in these two, um, test, uh, these, these short testimonies and the longer one, which, um, uh, I, I've been reading in these last episodes is very, very, um, wow. It's very strong. And it shows here, I think it shows the Holy Spirit in action. Really, I mean, come on, you can't ignore the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will do what it needs to do to defend the body of Christ because it sees what's happening. It's interesting that he pointed out that maybe Francis just doesn't see Christ. I've thought about it. I mean, he really frustrates me. Pope Francis, I find him difficult. Pope John Paul, I loved and I do see some of Pope John Paul's weaknesses. I mean, he is a man. He did appoint McCarrick and did uh, give him the red hat. And then Benedict, you know, was a more cultured man, was not really the kind of guy that really goes out into battle. He's, a, you know, a sophisticated softy, but intelligent and very, very a fantastic theologian. But he's also a man of his of his time, just like John Paul is. Vigano is a man of this time, and he sees the problem. He sees the problem. He sees the troubles that we're going through, and he sees the weaknesses 
and he sees the, the age that we're living in. We live in a very highly sexualized age. Access to pornography is very easy within the, the devices we have. Our tablets, our cell, our, our cell phones, our little t- uh, the, the cell phones are little tiny computers. You can look at something anywhere. It's easy to access it. I mean, just look at the apps we have, the social media. You go on there. Everybody needs to show off, you know, what kind of body they have because they exercise. Everybody wants to put on the new clothes that makes them look, uh, you know, lustful and desirable. And it's very accessible. But it's also the fact that we live in an age where people are, you know, in the clergy want to conform the church to the world. And this is the problem we live in. We live in this kind of world. We live in this kind of age. So this is from Church Militant's website. I mean, look at some of the people people are saying, the responses. I want to read them to you. One person says here, I won't read the names out of respect. Archbishop Vigano is a faithful, courageous man. Beautiful, clear speech gives me great hope. He is a true son of the church. Heavenly Father, whose authority is established in the name of Jesus, let it be the honor of the immaculate heart of your heavenly kingdom that the principal powers and ruling spirits of the demonic kingdoms be bound and demons removed, that the church be free and to recognize in faith. In the name of the Eucharist, miracles of Buenos Aires, the sacred heart, as before, is an, uh, put an end to the plague, not neglecting the word of God, a key, uh, a key to the kingdom of God, that many that they may praise you forevermore. Why isn't the third testimony as plain to read as the others? Well, I think it is. I think he's wrong, this person, because Churchmill doesn't have permission to copy it yet, but can link to documents posted elsewhere is my guess. Yeah, probably. Use the magnifying glass with the <laughs> at the bottom to enlarge or the four arrows pointing, well, whatever. Here is the question no one is asking. Why not ask Pope Emeritus Benedict what happened? He knows what he did with McCarrick and which, and which person is faithful. Here is the question I'm asking. Why are we not asking the first one? We know why Benedict isn't responding, but why are we not asking for his clarifications? I I agree, but I don't think it's possible. I think it's, you know, it's um, it's politics, church politics. A time of conversion and penance must be proclaimed. The virtue of chastity must be recovered in the clergy, in the seminary. These are words of a just man, of whom, whom uh, a man who loves God. These are all here. I mean, look at this. You see this here. If you go on Church Militant, you see the comments. It's all there. I mean, everybody, lo- these are people who love the church and they want the church to get back on track. But it's not that, uh, it's not that, you know, it's not that easy. Unfortunately, these men, uh, these these men who are in the church uh, are career, career, um, you know, clerics. They're you know they they're only out for their for their career. Anyway, so let's end it here, and uh, we'll get back again soon. I'm glad I read these testimonies. I've been wanting to do them for a while. It's um, difficult to make the time because I work now five days a week. Uh, and uh, the weekends, you got to get things done. Unfortunately, you know how it is. So um, let's say a quick prayer, and uh, we'll get back together again soon. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. So remember to share and um, subscribe, please. Uh, it helps uh, Spotify and Anchor know that uh, you guys like this uh, podcast channel. So God bless and we'll be together again soon. Amen.